Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. I'm Kyle Mack, and this is Combat Chronicles. You're going to have to bear with me today because I have indeed finally caught the dreaded lurgy, that is. COVID-19, so I don't sound so great, not really in a great mood for talking, but there's some really interesting stuff to talk about, so I have got to uh, hit you guys with a podcast this week. Please bear in mind me though, uh, that I have got out the fan on, because I am sweating like a pedo in a playground, so please bear with me with that, apologies if there's any white noise, um, surely it's got to be better than uh, this bizarre voice I've currently got, so yeah. Swings and roundabouts. Uh, a couple things to talk about before we get to the, this weekend's big fight between Dominic Cruz and Marlon Vera. Uh, the K1 GP was this week, and it was a really good field um, with uh, Gunji Taito winning it. Just want to sort of touch on it quickly. I haven't managed to watch the full card. Um, some highlights, some fights, some full fights. Um, but uh, Gunji is on form and on fire. Uh, since he won the featherweight bout from uh, Sakakabara, who's his rival back to amateur days. Um, but a really good um, field, as I say, and international field, which is great to see. K1 getting fighters in again. Um, but Gunji was just relentless, um, really mixing up attacks the body and the head really well, pressure on the front foot, and getting his opponents out as soon as possible. Uh, just a really sa- uh, savage and uh, solid uh, night of performances from him. And uh, I'd love to go into it in, in, in more depth, but yeah, essentially he won all of his fights by uh, stop. Uh, no, he didn't actually. The first fight um, he, he won by decision, but won the uh, following bouts by, by stoppage. So really, really impressive stuff. And uh, it's good for K1. Um, there are previous opponents of uh, of Gunji's that he could potentially fight. There's a bit of weight disparity there at the lower weight class, but uh, Kimura and Kaneko are both awesome fighters I spoke about on the match preview and the match review um, from a couple of months back, back in June, which was still the best time for combat sports for me this year. Great time, wasn't it? The match, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to uh, see that because he's lost to both of those guys. I think he's now higher up in weight. He's moved up in weight. He's doing even better. Fought Takaru in an exhibition as well. So, he is well thought of. Uh, Yuki Agawa, who's now higher up in weight than than Taito Gunji. Um, matter of fact, this kind of GP win kind of reminded me of that 
when a Gower ran through the field. They were all by stoppage, I think. I think that was the quickest K1 GP win in history. Uh, Galloway sort of back and forth and kind of, you know, fun, you know, seems to be back in form now. He's now at a higher weight. Not sure if he could get back down. I was quite surprised to find um, from friend of the podcast, Apparatus Flatters, the dogman, uh, the dogman himself, that Gower is really big for the weight. Never really appeared in me. Quite thick, but um, yeah, deceptively big. I don't know if he can make it anymore. Um, you know, but you know, essentially, um, I'm sure K1 would, if they could, would would love to make uh, that fight. But Egawa, um, really fun fight to watch. Just as it really being uh, with uh, at the races uh, since he lost his title to the aforementioned Sabakiara. Uh, title Gunji now has is, is grabbed a lot of that um, fanfare really just walking through marauding smashing people to bits so really good to see uh, I'd say I'd like to go more into the K1 but the reason I have brought it up is will be uh, relevant later um, also you know it's great to mention it because you know this is a combat sports podcast but MMA is where I'm sure most you'll be wanting to uh, hit what, what you want see I can't even speak guys it's a brain fog um, I'm not even going to edit it out fuck it um what you'll be wanting me to speak about. Uh, and I missed out a bit, you know, from last week's card. Um, not going to get into that. But I am going to talk about uh, the uh, Bo Nickel fight. Because I think a lot of people have been talking about this. Because how it relates to the whole business of the UFC and, and MMA as a whole. But for those not uh, aware, Bo Nickel really decorated uh, collegiate wrestler. So he's transitioning over to MMA. Um smashing people in amateur fights goes on to Dana White's contender series um, to as you know as a 1-0 fighter goes 2-0 in quick fashion we know Dana wants fighters that are aggressive that win impressive fashion Bo Nickel who's got some name uh, you know obviously in the grappling community has got some name value and appears to be have some power on the feet as well uh, his opponent this week, I didn't bother to look into, um, but uh, yeah, gave Bo an opportunity to take him down, which he quickly did, eventually transitioning and, and getting the finish. Um, not really much to talk about from a technical standpoint, but it's clear to see that in a pretty talent-starved division like 185 pounds, even at two and zero, Bo Nickel would be a really tantalising prospect for the UFC. Um, and yet, why everyone's talking this week is. How Dana said, you know, he's not ready. He's not ready. We might as well have him on Dana White's Contender Series again. With the seasons going on, let's get him another fight, get him more preparation, then we'll see if we want him in the UFC. Um, let's be honest, they want another cheap fight out of him. They want another fighter. Now, a fighter who's getting a lot of, and there was a lot of talk about this on social media, I'm sure they've seen the numbers. They'll get people tuning back into Dana White's Contender series again, wasn't it? Perfect. They get to hold the guy back. I tell you what, would be really good for for Bo Nickel to get some experience. Get him on a pay per view card on the prelims. Give him someone similarly bad, but pay him a bit more money. And you know, you can sell him as a, this decorated, multi-time champion of you know collegiate wrestling, or multiple weight classes, and uh, sell him as that. You can show. The highlights from Dana White's Contender Series. And, you know, build them up slowly. 
I don't need to build him up slowly in Dana White's contender series. You know, the problem with Dana White is, essentially he's... A hulking and deeply ungracious retard. He'll move the goalposts whenever he wants. Um, you know, we had Blood Diamond in on 3-0, who's clearly woefully unprepared for the UFC level. Um, and we got a guy like Bo Nickel, um, who could really slot in quite quickly. And there's plenty of middleweight vets, so you get him any old joker in for him to fight, really. Um... And they won't do it. Um, I saw there's been so many different reactions online. I've seen people say, "Well, it's better for Bo Nickel his exposure if he goes on Dana White's contender series." Yeah, well, it would be even better if he was on a UFC card. If he wins a contract via Dana White's contender series, he's gonna get paid shit money anyway. So you might as well pay him shit money and get him better exposure on a big card. Um, my assumption is I'm not actually sure about this, but the to fight on the contender series you'd earn less money than you would if you got a contract for it so actually he's probably going to be fighting for even less that's just uh, a guess though so i had to take a breath as the uh, covid cough took hold um so yeah um one interesting thing about that blood diamond comparison i saw some complete dullard on uh, twitter say yeah well bo nickel didn't have a hundred kickboxing fights so it's not a great comparison he's fucking even better suited he's a fucking top college grappler and he's like 26 27 he's not 18 I can send him in he'd be fine um, but anyway past the contender series and on to uh, this past Saturday August 13th UFC on ESPN Vera versus Cruz only going to look at the main event um, A because again I'm not very well um, which you know is not like me but I'm not I'm sick and uh, B like yeah there was some fun stuff on the undercard like Nate Landwehr and other stuff but I'm only really massively concerned about the uh, main event. Um, <coughs> just to prove I'm not uh, lying, I'll keep that cough in. Came out of nowhere, that one. What's interesting about it, um, and it was a really interesting fight going in, if you listened to the um, Royal Robbery I did on Cruz versus Dillashaw, basically said this is what's going to happen. Um, Cheeto wouldn't need many opportunities, and when he did, he would end up lamping Cruz and taking him out. Um, I wish I'd said head kick now. Um, I might have done, but yeah, I was pretty sure it was going to be head kick or a knee or similar. Um, but yeah, basically that's exactly what happened. And what's interesting though is uh, is how Cruz fought. Yes, like himself, but really saw him digging in. Um, what was really interesting, and again, it ties into these recent right or robbery episodes I've been doing on Cruz. Um, I always said. Well, I didn't always say. I recently said. Sorry, guys. Again, there's the fog again. Um, let me know what's going on. I recently said. Let me get my thoughts straight. I'm not tripping out here. I'm just uh, well aware. I sound a bit dumb at the moment. Um, that Cruz, upon rewatching his fights and through the lens of the unified rules of mixed martial arts and the scoring criteria, it was really weird that how he had adapted his own game to mixed martial arts to win fights was not actually conducive to winning them on the scorecards unless he had a real perfect defensive performance. Because essentially he always, uh, for those that are not part of the patron obviously, you wouldn't know this, but what I noticed about his style was he was uh, conceding um, impact for sort of agility, movement, uh, bounciness, not really sitting down with his shots. He was looking to evade shots, as we know, that's his style. 
So if he was pitter-patting you with four or five shots, and then they hit him with one good one, suddenly an exchange which looks like it's cruises, it might well not be when you look through with the lens of the actual scoring criteria. Which brings up a really interesting fight this weekend because usually in my very uh, close uh, reading of the rules, I would have given the first round of this to, to Marlon Vera because he dropped Cruz. This is why I mentioned K1 as well. Um, because there was a debate uh, during K1 last week as to whether there was a knockdown or not because generally when you've got a leg up to kick and then you get hit and you get knocked down seen as a balance thing you don't get ruled down there's no such rule in that in MMA uh, certainly on the UFC but that first knockdown uh, with the left hook in the first round uh, essentially Cruz was on one leg he did appear to be somewhat wobbled and dropped it was a really uh, important moment but Cheeto really didn't do much else in that round and Cruz was sitting down on his shots he was trying to lamp Vera as hard as possible now, Cheeto's teak tough. He doesn't. He knows sales basically everything. But he was getting pushed back. I can see that the shots were landing. They were powerful. Um, Cruz, what he was doing was he was often attacking with the high kick to to move uh, Cheeto and then try and blitz him. That's what he does. I mentioned this in the in the other right or robberies in the TJ Dillashaw one. Cruz will blitz um, on entry and then as you're evading him he'll dig in with just the last shot so he'll catch you on the exit or he'll hit you with a combination where the first four are meant for to distract and to stop you from firing back and then he'll clobber you with one on the out now he's not a big puncher not a big kicker um never has been um as i say partly due to stylistic choices and partly down to i just don't think he's a massive digger by any means uh, but he really was trying against cheeto who's a really durable opponent um it's a fair play to him and they were impactful shots. So I actually think that Cruz could have easily won the first two rounds, even with the uh, flash knockdown in the first. And I think he had a flash knockdown in the third. Was that from the Was that from the jab? He got basically there and matched him with a jab and dropped him, caught him uh, square on and dropped him. Not Again, not a massive deal, but clearly impactful shot. So I think uh, Marlon won the third round, then the fourth round, the Cruz got knocked out. Um, but yeah, well, I liked what Cruz was doing. He was doing his you know, his usual stuff. Um, even though he's past his best, past his athletic prime, he's doing his usual stuff. But he was really trying to sit down on shots and and win rounds and hurt Vera. Try and keep him honest, pushing him back, which was great because uh, you're pushing him back, limiting his his ability to explode forward and catch you with an aggressive counter shot. But what happened is Cruz by overloading uh, Cheeto with uh, information gave him chance to make reads and I think that's actually what was happening anyway um, Cheeto Vera doesn't mind giving up rounds uh, in order to get reads and in order to potentially get you out of there later in the fight um, I've seen comparisons online to Yoel Romero um, for me it reminds me a bit of Deontay Wilder where you go uh, well you know he's not winning rounds here and if he doesn't knock his man out it doesn't matter he is confident that he's going to knock you out. He's going to track you down. He's going to, he's going to get his timing down. He's going to sense an opportunity, get a good read, and when when the timing is right, he will strike. Um, I'm going to get into that in a second. Why well, I think that isn't actually necessarily a great thing going forward, but in this, it worked. Um, eventually, just got Cruz moving a little bit to his own right, 
and then whipped the uh, left high kick up there and took him out. Um, really, really nice work. Beautiful knockout. Um, basically means that the rest of the fight wasn't like we're talking about the score and that is it's it's completely redundant but for me it's still an interesting discussion to have um so yeah Cheeto Vera impressive performance I like what he's doing in there getting reads um giving Cruz a little bit more to think about as the fight went on um having big moments in most of the rounds anyway even if I didn't necessarily think he won the first two um but there is um a definite concern with Cheeto Vera going forward because these it's only get 25 minutes not like boxing where Deontay Wilder's got 36 minutes um, and essentially you know there is going to be a time where he runs out of time there will be a time where he's trying to track someone down and he doesn't find <coughs> can't be fucked that cough out he doesn't find I actually don't know how I managed not, I've been coughing fucking all day I don't know how I managed to uh, keep it down but there is going to be a time where Cheeto Vera runs out of time. I do believe it. And it's not just a stylistic thing, it's an opposition thing. He's fighting some good fighters, there could be no doubt. But these recent, this recent run, which has been really impressive, has been against, essentially, mm, I don't want to say shot, although in Frankie Edgar's case, almost certainly is shot. Um, but, you know, veterans that... A past athletic peak, past the peak of their durability. Rob Font, I even say it would go for him as well. Um, it's coming off a, you know, it, it took a real battering against Jose Aldo in in that fight. Um, so yeah, I think even Rob Font uh, in that one, uh, I think he allowed. Again, sorry, struggling to put words together here, but he allowed. Marlon to win rounds by having big moments. That's how Jose Aldo also won rounds against Rob Font. Um, and in this one, same thing happens again. Cruz, he's fighting well, but Cheeto's able to have big moments because Cruz isn't as durable as he used to be. He's getting flash knocked down here and there. Even if he hadn't knocked him out, I think Marlon could have won that fight in points, essentially, because uh, he could have had a couple of big moments in the fourth and fifth. Could have easily won. Um, Edgar just, you know, yeah... Awesome knockout, don't get me wrong. Um, but he's just not the fighter he used to be. But 135 is insanely stacked. There he is gonna come against come across someone who maybe is more durable or is more defensively astute or is able to bank a couple of rounds early and then get on their bike for a couple of rounds. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's gonna happen. So my concern is not so much about Cheeto Vera as a really cool Easily likable, easy fighter to root for. Clearly skilled in in several phases um, of the game. Really deadly striker now. Really creative. My concern is about him going forward as a title contender. That's all. Don't think he's not cool. I think he's really fucking cool. But the fact matter is, I do think that someone will figure him out soon. He is insanely durable, so he's always going to have a chance to uh, pull himself back into the fight. But. That's basically my thoughts on him as a fighter. I think he's awesome, but um, I do think he's somewhat buoyed by the fact that he's fighting guys that are allowing him to be awesome due to where they are in their respective careers. Um, I was going to do a little bit more, but I'm actually not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to plug the Patreon now. Let everyone know www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles. The reason I'm going to tell you that, this Thursday, I'm going to drop a... Um, <coughs> 
prediction, analysis, preview, everything for the Anthony Joshua, Alexander Usyk rematch, which for me is the big one this week. And yes, of course, there is going to be UFC podcast next week. If you sign up to the patron now, that's where the UFC podcast is going to be. So it's going to be uh, patron this week for the boxing, for the preview. The podcast this weekend is going to be Usyk Joshua 2 review and a look at that fight, how whatever happens. And then the patron next week is going to be the uh, the rundown, the, you know, the results from this uh, UFC card we got this weekend, which is, is spotty, but there's some really big ones. Usman Edwards 2, obviously. Miran versus Jose Aldo. There's a couple of good ones on there, so plenty to talk about. Um, so, yeah, check, check that out. Um, it's clear to see that I'm not at my best. So hopefully you got some sort of... Uh, interest from the podcast today and it was somewhat fun um, even though it's probably borderline unlistenable but appreciate your patience and me getting this out um, as you know I'm clearly not 100% so thanks for that um, but yeah what do you think do you think that Marlon Vera's got a chance to maybe overcome these stylistic uh, quirks that he's got Marlon didn't mention actually before we go not as consistent a leg kicker as I'd like you won't have to worry so much about losing these rounds if he's just a bit more of a consistent leg kicker. Uh, maybe I'm a bit unfair there, but I think if he just, just did that a bit more as well, he's probably scared of getting taken down. Uh, not scared, but wary of being taken down. Um, but generally, I'd really like to see him play even just a bit more leg kicking in this game. But yeah, do you think that um, Marlon Vera can overcome these little quirks that he's got? Or do you think that whether he's fighting... Dominic Cruz or Piotr Jan, he will find an opportunity to strike and he can put forward enough good, impactful sequences to win decisions against fighters that are really durable or in their prime. Um, if you're really interested to know what you think, hit me up over on Twitter at CombatCR. I was banned last week, been recently reinstated, so if you want to see uh, me tweet more, which is obviously easier for me at the moment than speaking, hit me up over on Twitter. Tell your friends, obviously. And again, sorry this isn't the best episode, but hopefully you found some sort of enjoyment in it. Thanks very much for listening, and see you next week. Actually, if you sign up to the Patreon, I'll see you in a couple of days. Thanks all. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.